Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What is up, everyone? Even though the season is still four months away, if you're a diehard BYU fan, I can almost guarantee you've got football on the brain. Quarterback Zach Wilson was picked by the New York Jets second overall in the NFL draft Thursday evening, the highest pick in BYU history. We'll talk with former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum about his reaction to Zach's big night. But before we get to that, we'll have one more tribute to our love for baseball by finding out how the ceremonial pitch became a tradition and the superstitions that go along with America's favorite pastime. And to help me do that, I can't think of anyone better than the man with the boisterous bass voice, Ben Bagley. That was a lot of alliteration. What's up, Ben? Wow, I don't I don't know what to say. I'm honored <laughs> and embarrassed. I don't know. Also, using words like favorite pastime and and things like that really don't apply to you, Ben. What? what? Am I right? What's my favorite pastime? Golf? <laughs> Are you even American? Are you even an American? Americans, golf, yeah, football. Give me football and <laughs> golf and love it. But baseball, it's not my cup of tea. Wait, that's well, not American. It's not my cup of Coke. <laughs> there it is. Not my cup of Diet Coke, Ben. All month long, we've been talking to former MLB players and about what we love most about baseball. Ben, I know, I know you don't love baseball, but there are aspects about it that are really great, and you can't deny it. So what's your number one thing that you would say that you actually liked about baseball? Yeah, let me let me be clear. I grew up playing baseball, right? I mean, okay. Little League Baseball, the All-American small town thing, loved it. I felt like I was kind of good at it. Um, then then stopped playing, started playing football. But uh, like like the nostalgia around baseball is great. I just can't sit down and watch a game. I can't sit down and watch 162 games. It's too long. It's too <laughs> takes too long to play. It's it's boring. Like I watch golf to put my so I love golf. I watch golf to put myself to sleep. Baseball would be in that same category. I just don't love and follow it like I do, I do other sports. But you asked about favorite things. Like this is one weird thing about me. I may not be quote unquote a baseball fan, but if I'm going to a live sporting event, I would choose a baseball game over any other. See, that's weird to me. That's very weird to me. You don't like baseball, but you're like, you know what? Let's go to a baseball game. You got to explain yourself. Well, it's easy because like baseball fans are weird. I like so, I'm sorry baseball fans, y'all are weird. You're like you're like live and die on 162 games. That's too many. <laughs> aren't aren't all fans weird? Oh, yes. Fans? Yes. Yes, absolutely truth. But but like you're living and dying by 162 games that stretches over like a year and a half. It feels like it. But <laughs> but like to go to a baseball game you get the nostalgia, you get the history, you get the great ballpark food, you get the great ballpark atmosphere. You can sit there for nine innings. You can either pay attention to the game and have fun with the peanuts and Cracker Jacks, or you can sit out there and just kind of relax and talk to friends. Like There's no pressure to have to sit there and follow every little thing that's going on in the game. You go to a football game and you're, you're, I'm zeroed in, I'm watching what's going on. Basketball game, the action's fast and furious. Baseball, it's just relaxing, and it's beautiful, and I love it. One hundred percent. I actually told this show or told this story to Shep in a previous show that my first date with my husband was supposed to be a baseball game, so he asked me to go to a bees game, and I was like, "Is it okay if we show up in the the fourth inning?" The answer <laughs> is yes. Super, <laughs> he, no, no. The answer was no. he was like, "Uh." So he totally thought I didn't want to go out with him. It was just that because of all those things you just said, 
it's so slow paced. You can chat all you want, which is great for getting to know somebody. But man, baseball games can last up to like four hours. So I'm like, let's cut that in half, <laughs> head there. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Oh, the great story. But, uh, I, I'm still kind of a traditionalist. I like to be there for the first pitch and there through the end. Like, like that's just maybe that, that's, that's my uh, mental issues where I got to be there for the whole thing. But we go with a group of friends. I went with a good group of friends. We set out in the outfield at Smith Ballpark in Salt Lake City for a bees game. And his friends that I hadn't seen in a while were sitting there. We're just out. We're out on the grass berm in the outfield where there's no seats, and you're just sitting on the on the grass. We're catching up and talking, having a great time. And one of one of my friends finally goes, "Look, oh look at the time, man! I I gotta go. I gotta get home." <laughs> we all look up, we're like we're all going home. That was the final out of the ninth inning. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I I mean, yeah, it's it is. It's great. It's sometimes. Sometimes you're not even paying attention to the game, depending on what game it is. It's just fun to be there. So, Ben, what's your favorite tradition that surrounds baseball? Is it the food? You mentioned the ambiance. What's your favorite tradition? Well, and here's here's where my my love hate relationship with baseball goes a little bit deeper as well. Is <laughs> is I think baseball's got some of the dumbest traditions, like the 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 unwritten rules of baseball and, and all mm-hmm. that all that other rubbish that goes on. Um, um, but but it's that stuff that makes it. Just such a, a, a romantic, like, like sport. It's use, timeless. Yeah, it like there's a reason Field of Dreams was a good movie because it <laughs> talked about all that stuff of Moonlight Graham and and the seventh inning stretch and all this other stuff. The peanuts, the Cracker Jacks, the ballpark hot dogs are delicious. Like all that stuff, it all tastes better at the ballpark. And there's part of that that makes it fun to go to, but it's also that that like. Don't talk to me about unwritten rules or these little things you have to do as a bit. Like, I'm like, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. It doesn't make the game. But it's so much fun. I love that you mentioned that it's romantic. I think that's the perfect description of baseball as a sport. And I feel like there are more baseball movies than any other sports movies. Would you agree? Uh, the, Doesn't it, it feel that way? It, well, it's, it's easy to make a baseball movie good because uh, – you don't have to look athletic to play the game. Um, sorry, was that out loud? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! But, but no, you're right. Like I grew up, I, I watched The Natural with Robert Redford for like a stretch of six months every day after school. I'd come home, plug in. This is I'm going to age myself. Plugged in the VHS tape and watched The Natural. Field of Dreams was kind of the same <laughs> way. There's not like outside of Rocky. There's no other sport that like like that. Boxing actually does good movies as well, but you don't see great right. football movies. You don't see great, I don't know, basketball movies. You get really bad basketball movies actually, but like, <laughs> like yeah, just really bad basketball movies. Let's be honest. But baseball, <laughs> there's really good movies surrounding baseball. Field of Dreams, Natural, and what eight or eight men out. They're just all. I'm not going to say Angels in the Outfield. That doesn't count. The Rookie. I was going to say Angels in the Outfield. I <laughs> really was. It's a great film. Basketball, you get Air Bud. I mean, come on. You get Space Jam. You get... Hey, but remember the Titans. You said not great football movies. I, I That was a great movie, not because say, of the football. Remember the Titans was a... Fin- <laughs> the football didn't make that great. Because actually the football was really terrible. Yes. When you when you watch the the fundamentals of the actors in that movie, you're like, you have never picked up a football in your life. Nope. But it's okay, because it's, it's a great, great film. Um, I, I love that. So 
We talk about traditions. Uh, we've been talking all month about baseball traditions, and the first pitch is one of my favorite traditions because there's some really, really bad throws, really <laughs> bad ones, and I love YouTubing it. I, and not to like make fun of the people, sort of, I guess. Most yeah, of yes, them can kind of laugh at themselves. If you're, <laughs> I'm making myself feel better, but if you are willing to go out there and throw the first pitch, you're 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 most likely going to be a little bit embarrassed, right? That was one of my favorite things to do. It's awesome. And so I looked up what the tradition, where the tradition came from. It began in 1910 when President William Taft threw out the first pitch at the Washington Senators game, but he did it from the stands and threw it to then Senators Walter Johnson. He is a pitcher. And for a time, the first pitch rotated to other cities. But now the Washington, that Washington again has a franchise. The president usually throws out the first pitch in the Nationals game. And now honorees and celebrities will throw out the ceremonial first pitch at most games and it's one of my favorite traditions i think it's really cool i think because of that that people are willing to put themselves out there even if they are extremely unathletic what do you think ben i love i uh, yeah i it is one of those traditions <laughs> you, you i can go with or without with baseball but i will tell you what one of the coolest first pitches i've ever seen and in all seriousness here was george w bush's first pitch after mm-hmm. 9-11 um, I believe it was Yankee. I remember I believe that. It was in New York. I think it was Yankee Stadium. And this was when the the world was getting back to sports after 9-11. The country was hurt, uh, wounded. And this guy goes out there. Now, granted, he's got a baseball background. He he partially owned or owns the Rangers. But he goes out there and just throws a heater right down the middle for a strike. <laughs> really? And, it and, was. And it it's was the awesome. stupidest thing ever, but it almost felt like that just brought the nation together and everybody's like, yeah, America, <laughs> woo! 100%. I actually just got the chills with you talk, talking about that and remember that story because it was it was, it was was such an emotional time and uh so divided, but that time was one of the rare times our country felt like it was, it was united. And so, yes, that was very symbolic. I I love that as well. Uh, Well, baseball is going on now, but football is top of mind for most BYU fans as we're in the midst of the NFL draft. And up next, we're going to chat with former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum to hear what he says about the historical draft pick with, with Zach Wilson at number two. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean, along with Ben Bagley. The NFL draft continues tonight, but the highlight was on night one when quarterback Zach Wilson was picked second overall. To help us break down what all of it means, let's welcome on former BYU quarterback, the pride of Eagle, Idaho, and the man behind the Mangum Miracle at Nebraska, Tanner Mangum. Tanner, thanks so much for being with us here today. Lauren, good to, good to be here. Thanks for that intro. Uh, very, <laughs> very kind of you, but hey, happy I- to be here. I really could have said a lot more if we're being <laughs> honest. You you were you were an incredible player and an incredible person. Speaking of what are, what are you up to these days? Well, I'm figuring out life post football. It's it's been a, a wild ride. Uh married, uh have a daughter and a, another daughter on the way, which is very exciting and then I'm uh, working up at Nike for the Jordan brand in communications, which has been a great experience so far and uh so Living in Portland, but actually spent a lot of time here in Salt Lake City over the last year, spending time with my wife's family. That's awesome. You mentioned the Jordan brand and working with the Jordan brand. It's a good transition to Zach Wilson, who signed with Nike and has sported the Jordan brand headset headband many times. 
What are your thoughts? You got a chance first night of the NFL draft, second pick overall. Zach Wilson's getting his name called, and this is this is a guy in the BYU quarterback fraternity. What's what was your thoughts when you heard that? Well, I mean, I've been very excited building up to the draft for Zach. I mean, it's well deserved. You have to think about the work that he's put in and the journey that he's been on from high school to now. In a short number of years, he's gone from largely unheralded as a recruit to now number two pick overall. And it's a credit to him and his work ethic. He, I think, maybe doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, He's obviously very talented, but he puts in a lot of work and he's worked really hard to get himself in this position to be able to be drafted this high. And it's, it's it's a tribute to the BYU football program uh, and the direction that they're heading. Uh, this wouldn't have happened, you know, s- several years back. I, I think it, it had to, things had to change. Things had to improve as far as the system, the coaching staff, uh, the, this, the overall general direction of the, of the program was able to uh, give Zach an opportunity to thrive. And he was put in a position to succeed and he made the most of it and just and balled out and showed what he was capable of. And so it's uh, very exciting for him and very exciting for the BYU football program as a whole. And I think it was kind of a whirlwind for everybody because everything happened so fast. He was injured and kind of had a subpar season. Then he came back fully healthy, had an incredible season during COVID. It just was, it just was, and it was just insane. I feel like as a fan, just watching all that happen. And then suddenly he's the second pick overall. And and I think one of the downfalls of being one of the top picks is unfortunately you have to go to a crappy team. Right. So, so how do you feel about him being picked up by the New York jets? Well, that's the challenge, right? You, you said it. Oftentimes these top draft picks get thrown into tough situations. And what a lot of people might not uh, understand is that it, it, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't, that it's, it's not all on the quarterback to turn a, a, an organization around. Obviously it helps. You need a, you need a good quarterback to have a successful organization, but you need support. You need help. But I think what's good for Zach here in, in New York is that he's got a new head coach. They're really kind of on a rebuild and they're looking to, to support him. They're looking to give him pieces to help him succeed. I mean, you saw what they did with the next pick at the, at the 14th spot, getting Elijah Vera Tucker from USC first, you know, first pick after Zach is to get it, get him an offensive lineman that can protect him. And that's what he's going to need. He's going to need protection. He's going to need some weapons because Sam Darnold, who I think is a good quarterback, just mm-hmm. never really succeeded in New York because largely in part because he never had support. Right. He never had the help that he needed. And uh, but I think that the Jets are looking to make those changes. They're looking to make those pers- personnel shifts to put Zach in a position to succeed because he showed that similar to BYU in 2018, 2019, you know, the pieces weren't in place yet. They, they they had some pieces, but there were some holes. But then 2020, everything came together. He had the right support staff around him. He had great talent. He had a great system. Uh, and and he showed what he could do. And so now um, it's, it's going to be tough. Obviously, the uh, AFC East is a little bit tougher than uh, some of those teams that BYU was playing last year. But, you know, if he has the pieces around him and the support system around him, he has the potential to do amazing things. A two-part question here, based off something you just said there is you look back to 2019 and you said that Zach Wilson was the best quarterback in the state then. That was a couple years ago. So obviously you've got some Nostradamus in you. You can look ahead. You see things before the rest of us. So number one, back in 2019, what did you see from Zach that made you say that and made you feel like he had that potential? And now that he's had that potential and he's, he's a New York Jet, 
How do you see his career going forward? Yeah, when that happened, I was it was on the radio two years ago, and it was in the middle of the 2019 season when Utah and Tyler Huntley obviously were having a great season. And and then obviously Jordan Love, who was already getting first round um, hype at that point. Um, and so I got a lot of flack for it, which is understandable. And I and I gave credit to Jordan Love and Tyler Huntley both. And 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 I talked about this the season that Tyler in particular was having statistically was one of the best in the country. But when it came to the question about who has the higher ceiling, higher potential, who has the the, the highest potential to succeed in the NFL, I, I went with Zach because of these things. One, it's his talent. Uh, it's, it's his arm talent. It's his ability to make tough throws look really easy. He can make any throw on the field. He can, with the, with a flick of a wrist, he can spin at sixty yards. He can throw on the run. He can throw moving left. He can throw moving right. He can run. He's athletic. He can hurdle people. He can juke people. He's kind of got. This, kind of, this really subtle, freaky athletic ability to him. and But then on top of that, he's smart. He he understands the game of football really well. He understands defenses. He understands what they're trying to do. He's a, he's a film nerd. He studies. He prepares. And then also he's he's young and hungry and willing to work and learn. He, he He's good, obviously, but he's not satisfied. And he continues to work and get better. And so just looking at his, his – uh, abilities that he had his talent but then also his work ethic um you know I, I just i saw things similar obviously not at that level yet but kind of like a young aaron Rodgers, a young mm-hmm. patrick mahomes i mean he's it's obviously he's not at that level yet but he's got those kind of similar uh playing styles the way they you know you, even if you put on the tape and you kind of compare them side by side they make some similar throws they play in similar ways and so I saw that and I, I just knew that it was going to take the right situation. It was going to take things falling in place for it to work. But fortunately it did. He was mm-hmm. able to show what he was capable of last year. And now to answer part two of your question, I mean, it depends. And so I kind of, as a caveat to that prediction, obviously a lot remains to be seen. Uh, there's so much that we just don't know how it's going to shape out. Picking a, picking the right quarterback is a, it's almost a 50, 50 shot that you're going to get it right. It's going to take a good support system. He's going to have to have a good, good team around him, a good, a good uh, system that he can thrive in. But it, again, if those things are there, I think he has the potential to do some good things and really help the Jets turn their team around. Hmm. Well, you, you've mentioned some some great things and, and given a lot of compliments to Zach, and I, I think you're right. But as you know, being a quarterback, even the collegiate level, is so extremely mentally tough. It's There's so much pressure on you. I can't even imagine taking that to the next level in the NFL, especially with a fan base like the New York Jets. What interactions have you had with Zach that have made you think that he's ready for this mentally? Well, I think first things first is I saw it in 2018 when he was fresh out of high school. He graduated high school early. And, and uh, I was still recovering from my Achilles injury in, in spring balls was spring of 2018. Mm-hmm. And so he took, took a lot of the reps in that spring of 2018. And granted, remember, he should still be in high school at this point. But he graduated <laughs> early and he just wasn't flustered at all. And he, and he honestly made the transition look really easy. He was picking the defense apart, making the right reads. He was showing off his, his arm. He, sometimes he was get a little too greedy. That was one of the one of his things at the beginning was trying to trying to wait for things and make things happen and play a little bit um, outside of himself. But he he was really able to then hone that in and use that to his to his advantage. Um, and 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 then uh, that that freshman season, you know, he's 18, 19 years old and just thrived in the spotlight. You know, had no issues being the, being the man, being the guy, having the crowd 
being under the lights. I mean, he thrived in that situation. I think he's, he's one of those competitors. He's a gamer. And uh, you kind of got to have that attitude. If you're going to be a, a good uh, starting quarterback, you can't shy away from the situation. You can't shy away from the spotlight. And he definitely uh, thrives in those types of situations. So as hard as New York media is, as, as tough as the pressure will be over there in the Big Apple, I think he's going to thrive in it. I think he's going to he's going to let it fuel him. And uh, I think really he's going to, you know, soak it all in and make the most of it and let it motivate him to be uh, the best he can be. You talk about his his drive, his maturity, uh, his confidence, the swagger, all that stuff that, that everybody's used as adjectives to describe Zach Wilson. A lot of times, if you don't know a guy and that and you get that vibe from him early on, the first time you meet, you're kind of like, "Who is this guy?" So I, I want the truth from you here, Tanner. The first time you met Zach Wilson, he walks into the Cougar quarterback room here at BYU. <laughs> he introduces himself. That first conversation. What were your first impressions of Zach Wilson? I think I, I can speak for for a lot of guys. He was he was young and cocky, and and there was kind of like a you know this swagger that he had about him that he kind of walked in uh, to the team and kind of like he had already earned his his uh, almost like he'd already tried to, had already earned his place on the team. But then quickly, shortly thereafter, you understand that that's this is his personality is he's, he's very confident, but he uses it to his advantage to play. It helps him play well. Um, and yeah, so I, yeah, if I'm, if I'm being honest, he had the kind of this cockiness about him. Uh, but, but at the same time, you, you saw that it motivated him to work hard to back it up. That's, that's the thing. I don't mind if someone's cocky, if they have a good work ethic, if they treat others well, if they're kind to others, you know, if they have confidence, that's good. You need to have confidence. And, and so I, I was glad to see that, you know, pretty very quickly, very early on that while he was confident, he was going to work hard and treat others well and, and back it up. And, um, you know, I, I, he, he, he showed that he was, he wasn't just all talk that, you know, he was going to back it up with his work ethic and his actions. And, uh, and so it, it's got that combination of, he's got that swagger and he's got that confidence, but at the same time, he's hungry, uh, to learn and, and humble enough to, uh, to get better. So, um, it, it, and I think I, I still see it to this day. He's got that same type of confidence, um, you know, to be a number top pick going into a, an NFL locker room, you, you have to have uh, this, an aura about you that you're, that you're confident that you believe in yourself, but he knows also that he's going to work hard and, and show to the team by example, that he's going to work uh, to back that up. He obviously wasn't on very many people's radars before the 2020 season. And because he hadn't done much up to that point, And then suddenly he's in the spotlight. What, what do you think that these experts saw in him in that 2020 season, obviously BYU was one of the only teams playing in the West, which you know put put a spotlight on him there. But but what do you think they saw in him that boosted his numbers so much? I mean, when you look at the NFL now, it's kind of trending in a certain direction as far as the type of quarterbacks that teams are looking for. If you're not 43 years old and, and playing in Tampa Bay right now, teams are looking for young, mobile, athletic quarterbacks that can make tough throws, but also threaten the defense with their mobility. Mm -hmm. So if you're not Tom Brady, um, it's going to be tough to be a guy that just kind of stands in the pocket and isn't mobile. There's, you know, there's a couple, there's a few here and there, but largely speaking, teams want guys kind of like a, a Patrick Mahomes, kind of like an Aaron Rodgers who can move when he, when he needs to, or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson, or, um, you know, even a, a Russell Wilson. And so, 
when you look at Zach play, he really fits that mold. He's got an athletic build. He um, can run, as, as I talked about earlier. I mean, he showed his running ability very early on in 2018. But then also he, he can make all kinds of throws all over the field. And, and they saw that. And I, and I think, you know, people want to criticize the, uh, the strength of the schedule. But at the same time, just look at the eye test. You know, regardless of who he's playing or what defenses he's playing against, just look at how he stands in the pocket. Look at how he maneuvers the pocket. And then look at his arm mechanics. I mean, it's just it's a smooth, effortless release. He just flicks it. He's got great hit movement and, and uh, power coming through his core. He, you know, he made a lot of tough throws. And I think scouts see that and they recognize that. And then that's, that's the kind of mold that they're going after. And he fits that really well. And, uh, and then, and I think it helped that they were one of the only teams playing because it gave them a lot of spotlight. And then fortunately the, the team as a whole was doing really well. And, uh, and so you get more notoriety, you get more spotlight and more attention that way. And uh, so it's kind of a perfect storm as far as um, the, the 2020 season went. It just really put him in a position to, to show off uh, his capabilities. All right, Tanner, 10 years from now, you're sitting on the couch watching Zach Wilson playing with the Jets. You got your daughters there to your side, and you watch him do one thing on the field or one thing on the sidelines. What's that thing that you're going to see that you can turn to your daughters and go, Daddy taught him that? <laughs> oh, no. I, honestly, nothing. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean when, in 2018, when I got benched, I mean, I really just – more than anything was just tr- tried to be there for him as a, as a, as a mentor to help him with just, you know, questions that he had, things that he was seeing, you know, just on the sideline talking through things that he was seeing out there. But really, I mean, I can't take credit for anything because I mean, he was already so far advanced. Um, he, you know, he, he was already making throws that I couldn't, um, that's a good question. I guess more than anything, I would just say, you know what, like, hey, I, I, I got to witness that up, up close and personal on the on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> he, I have my thing. I taught him to slide. Nice. Hey. He had no idea how to slide. I mean, it, it, you can't blame him. He was so athletic and fast that he could just outrun everybody or, or hurdle everybody. But, um, you know, we had, to, we had to teach him early on that, you know, if, if you want to stay healthy, you're going to have to slide at some point. And so in 10 years when I'm watching him play, if, if he, if he you know, makes a good, nice scramble, picks up a first down and slides and gets down, I'll be able to say, hey, I taught him that. Well, at, that po- <laughs> at that point, Zach's not going to know everything he does you taught him. That's it for, for your daughter's sakes. Hey, daddy taught him that. Daddy taught him that. That was me too. I was his mentor. Yep. yep, you're going to be able to say a lot of things. So, Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback. Tanner, I have one last question. Are you keeping up on your Spanish? How's the Spanish? Claro que sí, por supuesto. Oh, que bueno. Uh, Tanner and I both served our missions in Chile, so we've had a few. We've had a conversation here and there in yeah. Spanish, right? Absolutely. That was fun. <laughs> the interview that you, Moroni, and I did for Media Day that one year was <laughs> a lot right. of fun. Oh, classic. Those were the days. Tanner, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Tanner Mangum and Ben Bagley for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.